103.9 FM, WOZO Radio, Knoxville. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. The swirl of smoke from candles burning While Mary looked up yearning I got confirmed and I confessed I really felt that I was blessed Plus I love my uniform So did the boy who lived next door But something changed When I became of age Things I thought were true Someday I'd break the big taboo Letting go of God Letting go of God Welcome to Free Thought Radio Hour. This is WOZO Radio 103.9 LP FM Live right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is recorded on May 12th, 2019, and I'm Dotter 5, and as usual, we have Wombat on the phone. Say hello, Wombat. Hello, I'm the Wombat. Let's go. He's definitely there. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour is a call-in talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faiths, gods, holy books, and superstition. And if you get the feeling that you're the only non-believer in Knoxville or East Tennessee, well, you're just not. There are several atheist, free-thinking, and rationalist groups that exist right here in Knoxville, and we'll be telling you how you can connect with them right after the mid-show break. Also, did you know that there's an atheist call-in television show broadcasting here in Knoxville, and it has been for nine years now? Yes, did and you know I, that one I am upset. I am so upset. Why? Because they spent... You know, it's been on the air for like the last, I don't know, like 10 years now. And maybe I feel like 10 years, like seven ish years. Or we're in the final season of the show. And then they kill off the bad guy with one one what? knife strike. And I'm like, Arya Stark what? kills everybody. She killed Littlefinger. Uh-oh. She killed. You're not, Joff- you're not watching killed- this right show. No, she killed. She's, is, it's such a terrible way to destroy it. And they only have two episodes left, and there's no way they can fix it. And I've wasted so much time with this season. That's a, that's a different show. That's not ours. The Atheist Call In TV show is called Free Thought Forum, and it broadcasts on Comcast cable here in Knoxville. And you can also watch it on um, ctvnox.org every Wednesday night at 6.30, I believe. And in spite of what Steve Martin would have you think, there are an awful lot of atheist songs out there, and you'll be hearing some of them right here in this program, and generally on the station, as they are in rotation. And uh, you have a topic for us, I believe, today. Uh, Wombat, you want to go for it? I want to talk about analogies. So, analogies big 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 boring sounding word but it's what what it does is fun amazing and exciting and i think it's something that atheists and religious people do and it's uh hopefully in this hour we can talk about how they do it how we can do it better and then hopefully why it's really important as well so analogies hey if i have something that's really complicated doubter five if i have something that's really complicated and i'm trying to make you understand it yeah sure you know what? That's sort of like a situation where it's just like, you know, I got to I got to uh, compartmentalize 
this idea into like bite-sized pieces that makes it easier for you to understand. <laughs> uh, yeah, and those bite-sized pieces ought to be something that's very recognizable and relatable. Oh yeah, so definitely. So that they can identify with them. So I had a, there's this thing that, so I have a hobby where I talk to people about whatever means a lot to them. And at tables, you have the same, you have a similar hobby too. Uh, but uh, yeah. Yep. It's basically called street epistemology. Hey, it's a thing where you can talk to people about their deeply held beliefs in a way that doesn't make them defensive, but uh-huh. you still might trigger some defense mechanisms along the way. Well, and, sure. Yeah. And I found one of them that's very common is what I had originally called like uh, a defensive chaff mechanism. So like think about a plane. Some airplane and your military data five, you might know about this, but sometimes there's a, when a plane, okay. Uh, oh, when a, let's say like an aircraft is being targeted by missiles, they can shoot out a bunch of metal chaff to sort of confuse the missiles that are targeting them so they can fly away. Or flares. flares. Yeah, flares are common too. Oh, I didn't know this. Okay. So it's like a yeah. flare. Okay. So sometimes uh, people do that when they're being questioned about their deeply held beliefs and they'll be like, oh, uh, I believe it because of faith. And you ask them about faith. And they're like, oh, no, I don't believe it because of faith. I believe it because of, like, quantum mechanics or because uh-huh. of the tree that's outside. That's just proof <laughs> that things exist. Or, like, right. and they'll bring up a bunch of other stuff, but they won't. They're trying to, they're trying to confuse, not confuse me, but, like, just bring up some other things. That way you don't well, have to dig into try, one. They're trying to obfuscate the, the subject, and they're throwing out red herons to, to that end. Perfect. I love it. So yeah, red herrings, as in like um, the analogy of like mystery books, where mm-hmm. they would throw out uh, a clear clue that turned out not to be a clue whatsoever, or right. like that flare that you're telling me about, it's just something to distract people. These are all sort of things that help uh-huh. us understand a concept by comparing it to something that we have maybe a better frame of reference for. Something I was working on was a better analogy for flares or the defensive chaff maneuver and this is something uh-huh. that i'm working on right now i'm beginning to call it musical chairs you were you remember musical chairs growing up you ever played oh, that yeah game? Mm-hmm. sure you know the weird thing about being a kid is that every game that you play is like incredibly stressful <laughs> really yeah it's just like there's nothing more terrifying yeah. than like a spelling bee where you're in front of everyone that you know from oh yeah well year. that's not really a game that's oh. a pure competition <laughs> okay i mean but I mean, in front of your peers and your parents. Oh yeah, oh, and everybody else's parents. The full school <laughs> sees you misspell yeah. alphabet or something mm-hmm. like that. You're just like, dang, I'm going to carry that with right. me until I'm 30. Um, sure. But musical chair is also a terrifying game. Uh, you're just standing around, waiting for the music to start, and then you run around in circles, and you know there's not enough chairs. <laughs> you know it. Right. It's like, hey, there's four of us here. There's only three chairs. This is going to yeah. end well for all of us. Something bad's going to happen. Especially when they use those cheap plastic chairs. I've actually seen videos where they've destroyed the chairs trying to get into them. Oh, man. So so what I don't want to do, both in analogy and in real life, is play musical chairs with someone. And let's pretend each uh-huh. of those chairs is a belief or a reason why someone holds a belief, right? Maybe they hold uh-huh. it because of... Uh, a personal experience in one chair. And then the other chair is like a antidote or like a a story that their pastor told them. And then on the other chair is faith. And I want to talk about faith, but every single time I walk around that circle with them, they get up and they move Uh to a new chair. And I could try to move away one chair at a time as we try to hopefully get to faith, but I'm going to be tired if I'm just running around circles with them as they, it's also called moving the goalposts, shifting of the goalposts. 
you know, you, you'll be talking about one thing, and before they, you get them to the point where they can actually uh, reply to it or, or say, yeah, you're right, they move to something else, which shifts the goalposts that right. you're talking about, the things you're actually trying to resolve. Right. So for the people who don't know a lot about football, I'm one of them. <laughs> you try to get, you try to get to the end of the field where the goal is, so you can like hopefully score a, mm -hmm. like a touchdown or maybe a field goal. Right. And then at the mm -hmm. last second, the other team's like, "No, no, no, we have an extra twenty yards. You have to come down." And you're like, yeah. "How do you yeah. move the goal? Or, that's not fair." Or we've switched switched it like in the middle of the game. Right, something. and that's not yeah. fair. You can't do that. No, but they do. Uh, well, they say that you're closing in on a, a poor uh, a chink in their armor, their uh, religious armor, and then they they. Uh, Switch to a different side or a different story. I love that uh, to get you, to get you away from it. The chink in the armor is also a good one too. Uh, uh, here's yeah. one that you might be familiar with. Have you heard of peeling back the onion? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you're doing conversations in SE, it's not just a they say a bunch of stuff and then you say one thing and you're done. Like you totally crushed the argument. Right. You no. Crushed the methodology. Mm -hmm. you, yeah. You're gonna handle things as if you're peeling back an onion. There's gonna be multiple layers to it, and you have to be patient. And you're going to find that a lot of people have many different layers before they get to that core methodology that they have. And yeah. it's important to dig straight down to that core methodology and not get caught up in a game of musical chairs as you try to get through right. someone's religious armor. Right. So they don't right. shift the goalposts. <laughs> We've right. got analogies yeah. today. Yeah, there's a, there's a video by a guy named Evidence 3. I call it Evidence 3. Uh, he says, why I'm no longer a Christian. Mm -hmm. And he... He uh, likens it to a network. Like if the internet uh, had like 10 nodes, you know, one node goes down, the network doesn't go down. Mm. And he says religion has like 10 or 12 nodes, you know, Bible, friends, sure. personal experience, the things that you were mentioning. He said you can talk against, you know, any one of those things and make your point and get through, mm. but you've still got nine or 11 more nodes out there that are going to carry them in their faith. I agree. Uh, and uh, he said, you have to address all of those. And in his videos, Why I'm No Longer a Christian, uh, it takes about an hour to watch the entire thing, which is less time than it would take to watch are, a movie. You, are you writing highly, an hour-long YouTube I, video? I'm sleeping already. Well, each, each one is about eight or ten minutes, so okay. you can take it in chunks if you want to. I'm back in. But it, it, I highly recommend it. Let me, let me throw something out there. Um, without a doubt, a lot of people will have a multifaceted approach for why they believe something. There's two uh -huh. schools of thought, though. Um, typically, they put a lot of faith or a lot of confidence in what, just one of those things. And when I'm doing SE, I'm not trying to combat each one of those topics. I'm not at all trying to say, like, okay, so you believe it's for 100 reasons. Let's go through uh -huh. number one, number two, all the way to 900. That's just right. going to take too uh -huh. much time. What I'm trying right. to do instead is raise the bar of evidence that the person that I'm talking to has. Because once, yep, that's, that's great. once that standard's been raised... All the nodes uh -huh. that don't meet that standard will drop automatically. And yeah. typically, if I talk about the most important thing that a, re a, re a person came to a belief through, like the most important methodology, and it's like, is this, uh -huh. in fact, the thing that you're most confident about? Great. Let's raise our standard of evidence until you can realize that this isn't necessarily reliable anymore. I'm going to leave right. it there because I've raised your standard of evidence you can change your mind if you want to, but now you have the tools to do it. And I don't have to go through each of your arguments. I don't have to listen to each of the different reasons. You have the capability of doing that yourself now because you appreciate true things and you have a mechanism now that allows you to determine what's true and what's not true. And I think that's the, probably the more impactful approach 
towards getting someone to be more reasonable rather than debating on them point after point after point because you get caught up in those musical chairs and I don't want someone to get exhausted through that process because it is an exhausting process. Sure. And, and one thing I like to do, I mean, I don't try to uh, address all of those points myself when I'm talking to people in my Ask an Atheist table. Ask an Atheist. Uh, all, all I'm trying to do is get them to examine, you know, uh, one one item, if I can. Mm. And, and, and you know, nobody ever is converted or deconverted from religion, you know, through one conversation. It's hundreds of conversations, hmm. and I just want to be one of them. I want to give them some ammunition to carry forward to the next, yeah, and, and the next, and the next. Something to think about when we're not together, you know, something uh, that they will cogitate on. Right, like I said, it's not that you don't just get a one bam and you're done. You have to go. Yeah. you have to peel back some layers, and maybe you're the last layer. Yeah. Maybe you're there, or maybe you can be the one the first person to peel back the first layer and they'll go through yeah. life getting the rest of them peeled through other conversations but right. it's still a worthwhile thing to do and analogies sure. are a really great way to connect with people I found um, uh, I have I have a number of them we could talk about but I want to make the point that theists use analogies as well and maybe to maybe to better use what do you think who if, if I mean we just throw out a bunch of ones that atheists use do you have any examples that theists use well, are you asking me for an analogy that has been used on me recently? Is yeah. that what you're asking? Well, yeah. Like, I mean, there's oh. some really famous ones, like the father, the son, we're all the sheep. They're, I mean, you go through the Bible, yeah. they're all over the place. Oh, well, I'll, I'll tell you one that kind of uh, hit me the other day. I hadn't heard it before. Uh, and I've talked to a lot of uh, religious people. And they said, uh, you know, I told them, you know, that I didn't believe that uh, Jesus rose from the dead. You know, dead people don't come back to life, you know, especially after they've been dead for three days and in a cold cave, you know, and with no medical attention or anything. And they said, well, it's history. It's, you know, the Bible is history. Don't you believe in history? Oh, I mean, you believe in point. the Civil War, don't you? Oh, you said the thing I wanted <laughs> to say. That's great. That's great. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I said, well, yeah, but nobody's ever said that somebody came back to life in the middle of the in the Civil War, you know, especially not a, a an honored historian uh, or an established historian. They don't write about miracles. Miracles are not substantial. So, so here's the argument. Here's the perspective that they have. It's like, so you believe some books that talk about the past, but you won't believe my book that talks about the past. Isn't that <laughs> isn't that um, a double standard? And what would you respond no, to that? They're using a single standard for all books, which is not not uh, acceptable. You can't. I mean, I, I brought up the uh, the analogy as of Spider Man. I said Spider Man mentions New York. Would you say that all of his uh, stories are true? Mm -hmm. And they said, don't get uh, what was it. Um, snippy basically or don't be smart <laughs> don't, don't get smart and you know i'm, I'm trying to make a point no you're and, a salty and, dog you know, you're gonna say what you're they, gonna say they they left the topic and got up on a high horse uh, of, of their morality and and ignored my point okay to, all right to, to ignore my point i'm gonna throw out a point and let me know what you think about it with regard to the people who like associate like history books to like the Bible, um, it's yeah. it's another analogy. I don't know if it's an analogy. It might be just a saying, but let's see if we can shape it into an analogy. But it's extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And sure. what I normally say is like, hey, if I had a picture of my cat, if I if I showed you a picture of my cat and told you I had a cat, would you believe I had a cat? And most people say yes. And then if I said yeah. if I had a picture of a tiger 
And I said, this is actually my tiger. And I have a picture of the tiger and me standing next to each other. Would you believe I have a tiger? And they'd be much more likely they'd say, oh, well, I'm not as inclined to believe that. Like, it could just be Photoshopped. And I said, that's fire. That's fair. What if I had a purple dragon from that had a time machine? And there's, like, a picture of me and the dragon. There's, like, a DeLorean behind us <laughs> with its doors open, uh-huh. Metal J. Fox leaning on the side yes. of the, t- uh, the car. Would you believe I have a purple dragon that also has a time machine? And they'd say, no, of course not. I'm like, it's a picture each time. But it turns out to be the case that the more extraordinary the claim the more more substantial the evidence needs to be to support that. You just can't have the same standard of evidence for every claim. So right. it's not so much that you don't have a book that has like historical references in it. It's just that the other things in that book are saying things that are so extraordinary that I need more than just a book with historical references right. for me to believe. Right. It. And I, I try to make that point. I, I try to say, why should I believe it's more anything more than just a book of stories? You know, these are stories that are uh, passed down for decades, or actually millennia, uh, from father to son, and you know, and then made up uh, the New Testament made up to fit the old stories. Because even they they started talking about prophecy. You know, I said, well, people who oh. wrote the New Testament had the Old Testament there. They could write any prophecy fulfillment they want. Do you have an example? All they got to do is just look at it. Do you have like a specific oh, yeah, prophecy the, to talk about? Well, one. This is kind of a fulfillment of prophecy, like in the prophecy in the Old Testament that the Christ would ride a donkey into Jerusalem. Okay. Well, the guy Jesus going through, you know, his his uh, preaching tour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> told his, told his his He's disciples like to Bruno go Mars. into make him sound like this Michael farm or and tell the tell the guy the owner of the farm that he needed his donkey hmm. and they got they came back with the donkey and he rode into uh, Jerusalem. Sure. Now that could have either just been written in there, you know, by the author, whoever it was, who wrote the story about Jesus riding in there, or it could have been a de- deliberate act by Jesus to fulfill a prophecy that he knew existed. Or I mean, or we, just we can do that all the time if it, we want to. It could be like Christians are trying to get the Jews to be one people and move them all back to Israel so that the end times can come. But, you know, that's that's another fulfillment of prophecy that people can actually work on themselves right i would say though like the the quality of what makes a great prophecy is something that's specific and not general and if the main mm-hmm. mode of transportation back then was walking or donkey right then yeah, right. it could be the case that hey if there was a jesus he incidentally just walked around with a donkey everywhere or rode donkeys everywhere because that's how people traveled back then and if he went to jerusalem on a donkey so what that's not much of a prophecy if everybody's doing that. It's like, hey, yeah. I have a prophecy that someone's going to drink water tomorrow. It's like, of course, like everyone, like that's sure. not informative. Or that some, some major city will fall uh, to a king, you know, in, in the in distant the next, future. You know, distant future. <laughs> well, yeah, that's going to happen. Maybe that's yeah, could happen tomorrow. You know, I mean, there are still kingdoms in the world, and there are still cities that are they, they can attack. Hmm. You know, it could happen anytime in the last. How many times did it happen in the last millennia? Uh, a lot a very of times, generic actually. prophecy. Yeah, I would say this too. Yeah. Uh, I had a. Uh, I was speaking with Jehovah Witness, and we were talking about prophecies at no. my table. What? No. I'm sorry. Dogs here asked me for treat, and I just gave him one. So I had to say no. I saw that was going to happen. That was the prophecy we were talking about. Oh my gosh! Yeah. But uh, yeah. the prophecy that we were talking about with the Jehovah Witness was that um, that kids will disobey their mothers. And I was like, okay. I mean, that's in the that is also in the standard yeah. Bible. That's in Proverbs. Sure. But like that is mm-hmm. again something so mundane. 
is it really a substantial prophecy if we already know that happened before and after sure. the conversation? Maybe right. And that it's likely to happen. So what makes a good prophecy? Uh, Like maybe we can come up with a better analogy for explaining what would take, what would be a convincing uh, prophecy. What's a good one? If somebody said two millennia after Jesus's death that uh, the the Middle East would, or somebody from um, a black guy would be elected president of America would fly boats into buildings, something like that, Hmm. in New York City, in a new in the new country. Something would be even more specific than mm. just say, you know, uh, one city, one country will attack another, right. which is pretty much what they say in, in their prophecies. Right. But some way of describing 9-11 2,000 years ago and placing the date would be a good prophecy. Now, let me throw this out here. I'm just going to throw it out here. Mm. I'm just being a little critical. Uh, devil's advocate. Say that was yeah. in the Bible. And the 9-11 attacks did happen, exactly as it said in the Bible. Does that prove that uh-huh. the Bible made a prophecy? No. It, again, it would be something that we could make happen ourselves in mm. order to make it seem like prophecy were f- fulfilled. So I have, it's an independent act of people to, for an end. Exactly. So I have an analogy. I have a great analogy for that. So like, if I'm at a restaurant and I ask the waiter yes. for steak and some wine, and then, like, 15 minutes later, he brings a steak and some wine. That's not the fulfillment of a prophecy because I'm right. I'm informing an, a separate agent of what I want, and they're fully capable of doing that as intended. And that's just mm. something that they are doing based on the information that I gave them. It's not so much right. a prophecy of me predicting it to happen. Seems like... Right. Or you're saying, saying somebody would walk through your front door at 5.15... And then whenever you know that your wife, your wife gets off work at five every day, yeah. takes her 15 minutes to get home, yeah. something like that. So mm-hmm. even even prophecies that happen to the letter as they're written in the book aren't really a good example of an actual prophecy based on a supernatural being being all-knowing. Right. It could just be humans yeah. acting on them. So there's right. a lot unless, of... Oh, go for it. Unless we, uh, we... Let's say that we've found a new book of the Bible. Okay. You know, something that we could verify... <clears throat> that was written, uh, I don't know, 2,000 years ago, and it, there's no copies, nobody's ever discerned it, nobody's ever found it before, and it came to light, and it's described it in there that you know, there would be a, a 9-11 attack with great detail. Okay. That would that would be something we would have to consider very closely as, you know, prophecy, but that doesn't happen. I can we don't it. see that. So a better example maybe would be something, hey, like, exactly, like, Tell us something that we didn't all have the information for for the last, you know, mm-hmm. thousands of years. Or right. predict something that's very unpredictable. Like, tell us the weather or tell us what the stock market exchange will be, the number of the percentages at the end of the day. Things that it's like yeah. so hard for someone to manipulate to get exactly what you want yeah. it to be. Or the, the really lot of numbers or something. A lot of numbers? Be, Why are you... That would you be manipulable. So you're trying to, you're trying to, you're doing your little side game here. You're saying, hey, God, make me win the lottery and I'll believe in you. <laughs> no, no, if you could find something in the Bible that said that on you know, May fifteenth of two thousand nineteen the lotto numbers were gonna be so and so. Oh you man. Know, that would be Could you yeah. imagine But then again uh, you could still have people who are in control of the lotto make it come true. Sure, but if everybody went, <clears throat> if, if let's say that actually happened, let's just pretend that actually happened. And like, hey, uh, May thirteenth or whatever, uh, these are the lotto numbers, and everyone wins the lotto number, the lottery on May thirteenth. Um, that is that is both unfortunate because there's going to be no money to distribute, but also 
reinforce the beliefs for really bad reasons of a lot of theists. It's like, I won that dollar. That proves that there's God. Like, I could imagine some Christians probably trying to pull that long game. It's like, we're going to make this work. Right. We're going to make this work. Well, let's get back to historians just for a second. Sure, go for it. Go for Uh, it. Go for it. We don't have uh, established, uh, educated, well-produced historians reporting on miracles. It, it, it doesn't happen. Uh, they have a, a concept of uh, same before as it is today. We don't see miracles today. We don't have any good uh, reason to believe that miracles happen, so they they will not include miracles as a report of uh, historical actions or historical uh, events. They may mention a story about a miracle. Say so and so said there was a miracle this day, blah 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 blah. But they're not going to report it as truth because there's no way to verify it. But the people that I was talking to uh, on the square, uh, talking about um, Jesus Christ and and uh, the Bible being history, don't seem to get that concept. You know, they look at it as history and every word is true, and that's just not the case. And the reason why that's important, and also going back to analogies, is that it's really important to understand that. Different people have different definitions for the same vocabulary. And if someone says a miracle happened and they haven't defined what that meant, it could mean anything. It could mean a really, really rare event. It could mean, Mm -hmm. oh, something that just was unlikely or something that was made made possible only through the interceding of a supernatural God. And so it's a question of, like, what are we talking about? And then now that we know what we're talking about, let's verify if that actually happened or not. But if it's something that's yeah. like just very rare, rare things happen all the time. If it's just something that's unlikely, well, unlikely things happen all the time. But if it's something that happened right. to God, let's figure out. Let's let's see if we can measure that. Let's see if we can make that happen. Right. And well, David David Hume uh, figured it out 250 years ago. Uh, he says that the yeah, he has three precepts here. Larry, One, I thought you were only well, like 60. I thought you were only like 60-something. <laughs> I can read history, <laughs> real actual history. And this was in his own own words, but I'm paraphrasing. Okay. paraphrasing. The laws of nature are immutable, and miracles would be exception to those laws. That's the first point. All right. Two, people have been known to lie for gain or to pr- promote a personal agenda. So personal testimony is often mistakenly or intentionally wrong. That's the second point. Third point is, for the reasons listed to, above, and to accept a miracle claim, you would have to believe that it is more likely that the laws of nature were actually broken than that the person describing the miracle was mistaken, deceived, or lying. Right. And and to me, that just closes the book on it. Can there I are no like such that? things as miracles. Um, the only person uh, that... Uh, might be able to say that there are miracles of a person who first-handed, uh, first-handedly experienced something that they could not explain. Sure. Then they might say it's a miracle. They may be wrong, but they might say it. Anybody else other than that person is hearsay. Hmm. Let me translate And that according quick. to the law, right. I, I'm thinking like in a world where people can lie, you have to <clears throat> not whole testimony very as like the ultimate truth because people can lie it's like being in a classroom yeah. analogies right it's like being in a classroom right. and you know all of your kids can steal cookies right and you uh-huh. you miss some cookies one day and you're like okay so did an alien come and take it or did the classroom full of kids that can steal cookies steal the cookies what's the more simple answer that assumes the less extra uh, yeah. components 
Right. That brings Occam's razor in there, too. The most likely explanation uh, is without adding explanations to it is probably the, the most true one. Simple answers tend one. to be the best answers. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> tend to be the right. case. Right. Do not multiply causes, basically, if you don't need to. Right. So, hey, we went through a whole bunch of analogies right now. I got a bunch of them, too. But, of course, we can always bring this up uh, after our mid-show break. We have about about two minutes before we break, and I just want to throw out um, uh, just some quick plugging. You have a website. It's an HTML website. If you want to see some (laughs) old-school webmastering at its best. Where, well, where little, can we direct our guys at? If you go to digi- digitalfreethought.com, uh, you'll find my HTML old school <laughs> website. Uh, however, if you, cl- if you click on the blog button, it will take you to my blog where all my articles that I've written are. And we also have our podcast there, and Atheist Music is also available there. Uh, but that's all written or, or presented in uh, WordPress. Nice WordPress, uh, which is state of the art. Nice uh, for web <laughs> websites now. Absolutely. But, yeah, I'm an old school programmer. I've done it all pretty nice. much. Nice. As far as programming. And so, you can find my stuff go. on YouTube under Let's Chat. Uh, I post my stuff once a week. And um, hey, we're gonna take a break and listen to some music. This is 103.9 FM Wozo Radio Digital Free Thought Hour. We're going straight into Quiet Company and then following it up with some Soak. See you after the break.
Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on Wozo 103.9 LPFM in Knoxville, Tennessee. Feel free to join in on the conversation at 865-333-5937. That's 865-333-5937. And now, back to the show. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply the best. Welcome back. I'm Dodder Five, and this is Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio 103.9 LP FM Live right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today is May 12th, 2019, and uh, let's talk about the free thought groups that you can join here in Knoxville. We said we'd mention them a little bit later in the show. Here's uh, first the Atheist Society of Knoxville was founded in 2002. We're in our 17th year now. ASK has over 930 members, and you can find us online at knoxvilleatheists.org, or you can go directly to Meetup and search for Knoxville Atheists. Heck, you can Google it and still find us. Just that simple. Also, you can join ASK in person at our weekly Meetup, which happens every Tuesday evening at Barley's Tap Room and Pizzeria in Knoxville's Old City, where we get together for food, drink, and conversation. Everybody is welcome. That is, as long as you don't come to preach, proselytize, provoke, or punch. Thank you, Atheist Experience. By the way, if you don't live in Knoxville, you should still go to Meetup and search for an atheist group in your town. Don't find one? Start, Start one. one. Another large free-thinking group here in Knoxville are the Rationalists of East Tennessee. They've been around for more than 20 years. RET has bi-weekly presentations and discussions at the Pellissippi State Campus near Hardin Valley Road. They meet the first and third Sundays in the Goins Administration Building Cafeteria Annex. And if that's too much to remember, just go to rationalist.org and click on Upcoming Events. Then there's the Sunday Assembly, which started in England just a couple of years ago and is spread around the world now. It's a no good God, I'm sorry, no good. It's a no God church setting uh, for those who no longer believe in gods but still like the fellowship of a church type gathering. They only meet once a month on the fourth Sunday down at the Old World's Fair site at the International Building, about 10.30 starting. Um, earlier we said we talked about the Atheist Call-In TV show. It's going on generally, actually going off right now on Wednesday. It goes from 6.30 to 7.30 and you can see it every Wednesday uh, on Comcast Channel 12 or Charter Channel 192. Or you can even watch it streaming online at ctvnox.org. You can also find archives of some of their shows on YouTube, where a fan has been posting them. Just go to YouTube and search for three words, Free Thought Forum Knoxville. Also, if you're interested in getting involved with the TV or the radio show, just come to an ASK meeting or RET meeting and talk to us about it. You could be our next co-host or guest. And back to the show, what's our topic? Oh yeah, analogies. Yeah. So where 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 are we going on that? Hey, I want to know. Uh, I want to talk about our favorite analogies, um, the ones okay. that we know on both sides. How about this? So it's not just. I want one that's a personal favorite of yours, and then a personal favorite uh, that's on the other side of the fence. <laughs> so uh, I can I can tell you right now, one of my favorite ones, at least from the atheist perspective, is one that I've been using for a while. It's the coin flip analogy. Um, it, uh -huh. it, what I found is it's a great way for me to just indicate why agnostic atheism is such a reasonable and de by default 
the position that most people start off from. And the way how I do it is I uh-huh. pretend I'm flipping a coin. It's like if I had a quarter and I flip that coin up in the air and I catch it, flip it on the back of my hand, and I don't know if it's heads or tails, and I ask the person in front of me if they know if it's heads or tails either, the answer is always, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes they pretend right. they know, but it's like, oh, then tell me what it is. It's like, no, we don't know. And I think, um, I don't know, that statement isn't just an out to get around the question of, do you know if it's heads or tails? It's actually the best answer to have when you don't have enough conclusive information to tell you either way. It's not uh, It's not an out. It's the best answer that you can give. I don't know. Especially right. when you don't know something. It's, a, uh, it's the most honest answer, too. Yes. Yeah, Claiming to know something that you don't know is dishonest. And I actually think it's the right answer until you do have better information. So if someone asks you, do you know what the heads or tails? It's like, no, I don't know. That's the right answer. And just the same as whether the a God exists or doesn't exist, my position on that is I don't know. And because I don't know, I'm not convinced either way. And if I'm not convinced, that means I don't believe either way. And that's my position as an agnostic atheist. The coin might be heads. There might be a God. But that God has yet to present enough evidence for me to feel like I can be convinced that it exists. And to me, there's no question more important than whether or not a God exists. And so I'm going to tackle that question with the highest standard of evidence that I have. And when I am only given the Bible as the only evidence that I have or looking at the trees, I'm going to need more than that because we'll go back to the whole idea of I don't want to believe bad things or untrue things. And so I want to believe things that are true and not things that are not true. And I think the best way of doing that is by having a high standard evidence. And I'm fine with I don't know as my answer for now until I have that. I think that's just the intellectually honest thing. If a God doesn't like that, hey, that's his problem. He knows how to convince (laughs) me. That's where I'm at right now with the coin flip. Yeah, true, true. What about you? Uh, All the analogies that I usually use are other religions. Um, you know, they say, aren't you worried about going to hell? I said, aren't you worried about going to the Muslim hell? Well, no, that's a false religion. Well, that's what they say about yours. I'm an atheist. All the religions are coming to me telling me that I have to worry about their hell. You know, so, you know, I, I worry about your hell as much as you worry about their hell. You know, it's just, that's the analogy that I like to go to originally. I mean, when they, especially when they use Pascal's wager on me. Oh, what's so I think I get this point. So it's basically you're using other religions as an analogy for when other people uh-huh. tell you, hey, aren't you afraid of hell? You just bring up another yeah. example of another religion that has a concept of hell and be like, aren't right. you afraid of this religion's hell too? It's like, no. Oh, well, yeah. that's how I feel no. about yours. No. <laughs> they're, they're, it doesn't cross their mind at all during the day. And that's, you know, I don't worry about hell the same way they don't worry about any other religion's hell. Mm. Yeah. You also mentioned Pascal's wager. What's that? Oh, I had a guy use it on me yesterday. Uh, no, it was uh, Friday. And he said, uh, yeah, but think about it. If you don't believe in God, you know, you can go to hell. And if you do, it doesn't cost you anything, and you don't have to go to hell. Well, luckily, I wrote a whole article about that, and I printed them off. And I have because people use it on me all the time. So I, I pulled one out and handed it to him. I said, this is why Pascal's wager is, is no good. He says, what's Pascal's wager? I said, you just used it on me. Yeah, I, I explained it to him. Um, there's a lot of reasons why it doesn't work. Uh, the first one is, you know, which God? I mean, you tell me that I should believe in your God uh, because it's your religion. Uh, but uh, Hindus would tell me I should believe in their God or go to their hell. 
Yeah, or uh, uh, Muslims tell me I should believe in their God, and Mormons tell me I should believe in their God, or go to hell. Hmm. Uh, so it's you know it's it's that's just reason number one. Reason number two is you can't make yourself believe something that you're not convinced. Could you make yourself immediately right now believe in the Mormon God? No. And they said no. I said, well, I can't make myself believe in you know the, your God. And third, um, is your God stupid? It's, of course not. Well, so, <laughs> well because if I you what your ba <laughs> basically you're, you're wanting me just to say I believe in your God when I don't, mm. he would know, wouldn't he? Yeah. You know, I'm just trying to get a free pass into heaven. Sure. You know, it's just there's who, like seven or eight good reasons why Pascal's reason, like wager doesn't work, mm. and he wasn't familiar with any of them. So I gave him the handout. <sighs> yeah. Um, anyway, anybody can go to digitalfreethought.com, go to the blogs, and look up that article and read it for themselves. What's the name of the article? Pascal, why Pascal's Wager is Invalid. Oh. I've also got a video on YouTube of the same title. Yeah, and, and I know you're already a published author, but you're also having those articles that you've posted on Digital Free Thought Radio right. being released right on monthly uh, newsletters that are being sent out by the atheist community of Austin. So for anyone really? listening in Texas, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I've hooked you up. <laughs> you are uh, very good. You're a repeat author on the SE corner. And uh, some of your uh, you, posts have you. been featured on the atheist experience uh, mm -hmm. web broadcast. So yeah, good job, dude. <laughs> wow. News to me. Well, I can't believe that's I think news to you. I told you this a while back ago. You mentioned you mentioned something about it, but I guess I didn't get the full import of what you're doing. Okay. Thank okay. You. You're just like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Take what you need. Yeah. Um so yeah, you I mean you've been you've been uh properly credited and all that stuff, so uh good on you. Um I wanna go into a this is probably this potentially is a nuanced subject, so give me some um afford me some flexibility with this but i'm thinking um my favorite analogy for that theists use the one that i love when theists use it is when they say god is my shepherd and i'm a sheep because i am slowly becoming more convinced that right. the bible is written by so i feel like the bible is written by the bad guy or at least from the perspective of the bad guy and not the good guy, or at least there's a bad guy and a good guy in the Bible, but they've actually swapped roles because I feel like the worst thing the devil's done in the entirety of the Bible is basically tell people the truth <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. Whereas yeah. God has been like mowing down babies, people, wives, women, forcing, you know, uh, uh, unconsensual children to pop out of people in like you know in the worst time period possible in the worst social environment possible for something like that to probably even happen um and if i were to think of like what would the bad guy want his people to be he would want them to, he would want them to be sheep he would want them to be drones that just mindlessly praise without much forethought and all the advice that we get in the bible is oh aren't you blessed that you don't need evidence to believe oh aren't you just like a child it, or you should just have faith like a child just be like a kid or hey be right. my sheep i am your shepherd don't worry about it whereas the i feel like the devil is sort of like or at least this this the other the other side of it is like uh you have brains uh use them <laughs> Right. Hey, you're thirsty. Oh, yeah. Ask for God to bring you some water. Like, uh, what are you doing? Or like, hey, you know, uh, um, the the idea of like the whole garden of evil is just like you don't have. 
Adam, Eve, relax. You don't have a concept of evil or wrong. Like, just eat the apple. If he if he punishes you for it, that's only after the fact that you had a concept of what right and wrong is. He's telling you to obey him, but you don't even know if what obeying is. You should just eat the apple and, and move right. the story on forward. And they do it, and yeah. God gets upset. Yeah. Right. Well, J- Ricky Gervais, I think, had a uh, in his comedy said it was either him or is Eddie Izzard said that uh, yeah, the devil doesn't have a book to defend himself. <laughs> All we've got is, a, you know, God's book, and even in God's book, it tells us that his most common interaction with human beings is to kill them yeah. or give them diseases which killed them. Uh, we, we, you know, who's going to write uh, God, uh, the devil's book? Yeah, I, I, and you know what? This is probably just a quick little plug, but I have been trying to get in touch with some Satanists, see if we can get them on the show, and uh, if possible, do some interviews offline, and then um, include them into the rotation so yeah. we can talk about it. But I'd love to get that perspective yeah, that, as well. That still wouldn't be uh, uh, as good as having a book that purportedly came from them because they don't—they actually don't believe that the devil is real. So Satanists are, don't believe that Satan is real. So there are they're, two. They're just taking the loyal opposition uh, position. Yeah, you know. I've actually that. found that there's two different schools of thought with that, that you definitely have atheists, agnostic atheists that take on the Satanist label, but you also have theistic uh-huh. Satanists as well who have, to be honest with you, a whole bag of stuff that I want to get into. It seems like it'd be an interesting. Really? Thing to, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I haven't heard of that. <laughs> I think it'll be an okay. interesting conversation. Yeah. Um, All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, but I would say this. If you wanted me to have a book that defended the, the devil, I would show you the Bible because every interaction with the Bible or every interaction with the devil yeah. has either been one where he's trying to tell people what's really up or showing how God bets on the people that are supposed to adore him, like with Job, or purposely telling God, hey, um, I'm going to tempt people with things that you make that you have control over and that you already planned for me to tempt people with like this is all according yeah, well, to your plan i'm just well good luck it. convincing christians that their book is the devil's book <laughs> that's all i can say hello no i hear what you're saying i hear what you're saying okay uh, yeah I didn't hear you come back though <laughs> though i would throw this out here um satanists and christians use the same book <laughs> yeah, if I had to bring up true. one little thing, yeah. that would be my comment. <laughs> yeah. mm. So call it whatever you want. <laughs> that's a yeah. pretty. That's a pretty, true. pretty good evidence. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, do you have a an analogy from the theistic perspective that you want to talk about? That you. That you well, I'd like to talk. To, I'd like to talk about the one that you were using a second ago about uh, the shepherd. Okay. Uh, consider what happens to the sheep. Oh, they get slaughtered. They don't keep, yeah, they get slaughtered and they get fleeced. And, uh, you know, that's what shepherds do. They they don't keep them for their own, you know, for their the value of their company hmm. or hoping to save them for, you know, uh, save their soul, I guess I should say. They keep them to for what they can offer the shepherd. Hmm. Hmm. They're... 
I mean, I think that's a perfectly good analogy for uh, for this side as well as that side. You know, and we're talking about analogies today, so I think this is allowable. I uh -huh. just finished a video game <laughs> called Divinity. Which one? It's called Divinity. Oh. It's it's a RPG game where you basically become a god. The whole concept is you are starting at the lowest, lowest, lowest tier of humanity, and you work your way up, solving quests, helping people out, to the point where everybody, even the gods in the world, rely on you to like solve their problems and then you ultimately become a god that's greater than all the other gods you have that choice or you could be evil and do some really bad things but what's interesting oh, is the storyline of the the gods that are present in the game they're all fake gods but there's a pantheon of fake gods that basically use their worshipers as means to get energy like they need to be worshipped in order to have the energy to do the miracles so they don't really care about the worshippers personal lives and this is where you begin to interject yourself because the the they're they tend to be very inhumane with how they treat their worshippers they will purposely burn down their homes they'll purposely give them plagues just so that they can yeah. just so they can pray more and that gives that god their a particular energy and so when you yeah. realize that you realize oh my gosh all the gods are really screwed up <laughs> they're all pretty evil yeah. i don't want the system to be here i'm going to help these people have the people rely on me and then the gods stop start hating you and then eventually you get to the point where you can realize you know what i'm just going right. to shut down this whole system and make it such that no one's prayers help anybody i'm just going to make a magical wall that just lets people be people and and lock yeah. away the gods all forever at the end of the day that's yeah. the ending i picked but it speaks to what you were well, saying cool. yeah i'd like to offer some perspective about you know god giving um plagues and, and destroying cities and things like that. Go for it. Um, when, the, when Katrina came to uh, the Gulf and destroyed um, New Orleans, flooded it, what did uh, Pat Robertson say about it? Something offensive. He's, yeah, <laughs> that's a safe answer. Yeah. He said it was God's, <laughs> God's punishment for America's coddling of homosexuals. Right. Now, that's a preacher blaming God for a natural disaster. And if you think about it, since God really does not exist, back in the old days, they had plagues, they had cities being destroyed, they had uh, uh, floods and all kinds of things, which the preachers would write down as punishments from God if the people were not obeying what they told them. Remember, it's all about power. And they try to tell them to do stuff. They don't do it. There's a flood. So they say, God did it to punish you for not doing what I think is God's will. So when you read the Bible and you should read all this stuff about uh, what God did to the earth and to people and, and, and natural disasters or plagues, remember it was just preachers. Preachers wrote that book. Um, Jewish preachers and then later Christian preachers wrote the books that you're listening that you're reading they're not history books they're propaganda in order to promote a religion i also feel that's my that's my take <laughs> i i'm also going to throw out something as well i feel in the sense that there are a lot of people who are willing to believe that because it solves for them a number so like people when they say oh hurricane happened hurricane katrina happened a lot of people are suffering and I'm, I don't have a frame of reference for how I can 
internalized this just wanton what seems to be just wanton random destruction but if they can say oh it's because god's angry because my pastor says gay people are evil and only and he only hurt gay people that makes it a little yeah. that makes that pill a little easier for them to swallow but it's not I, and i'm not saying that's the case for everyone but it may not even be the case that they think gay people are all evil and they were deserving of that if anything it just supports the narrative that they've been following their entire lives and investing their entire lives in that when i die there's going to be good stuff that'll happen to me afterwards and that everything in this life that happens whether it's good or bad is just a test for the much better life that i'm going to have afterwards so when they hear pat robinson say this it does two things one it reinforces their belief of everything they invested all of their hours into but also Mm -hmm. simplifies the world to make it feel a little bit more safe to live in. And I feel like we're sitting on the precipice of the next step of humanity as well as human evolution, which is the idea of humans having as a standard, no fear of death, which doesn't mean that they're going to be absolutely dangerous and like go around killing. It just means that we've accepted it as a natural part of life and that we have a high standard for what we believe to be true and are willing to say we don't know when we don't know things. It's not biological evolution, but it is like a mental cultural one that I think that we're slowly developing. Yes. And I think when we have that, the Pat Robinsons of the world will become like an archetype of just as much as like witches and the um, inquisition of like the past were, they will just be like, wow, I can't believe that was only 60 years ago or a hundred. We have to accompany that with education. Education has to be a large part of it. Oh, definitely. Without a doubt, without a doubt. That's a great point. And I also think a good point of that too is communication. And that's, that's getting outside of your own echo chamber and having conversations with people about the things that they strongly believe are true and having conversations that don't always end up in an argument or a debate and allow you to really open up both minds in that kind of conversation. Because I might learn things from a Christian that I might not have known or a Satanist that I might not have known. But if we're willing to do that with each other, I think we're going to ultimately lead ourselves to the point where the best ideas float to the top and we'll have the best methods. Let's hope. (laughs) Let's hope. Hey, let's do more (laughs) than hope. Because hope and all the hope in the world and 50 cents isn't enough to get a cup at Starbucks. I challenge people outside or who are listening to this to actually go out and have a conversation with someone. There's examples um, uh, not only on my YouTube channel, which is letschat.com on YouTube, but hey, put in se-playlist.com. You're going to see a whole bunch of other people having conversations with people. Doubter Five's done it. He can tell you it's easy. I do it. It's easy. We do breakdown videos, all sorts of stuff. But I think it's a great opportunity uh-huh. now, more than ever before, to have these kinds of conversations and move human- uh, humanity forward. I think it's definitely a space for it. All right, Doubter Five, we're getting ready to wrap up pretty soon. Uh, let me yep. say, uh, I think my last words of the show, analogies are really useful. Use them. It's a great way to compartmentalize really complex ideas and allow people to uh, understand really complex topics in a fun, potentially fun, and even maybe even funny way. And those stick with people. And those analogies can evolve into even more accurate, you know, little stories that people can use and convey really interesting ideas. Right. Larry, right. what do you got? 
Well, I'd like to harp on education. Uh, your education didn't end with the last day of school. <laughs> That's true. Uh, keep educating yourself for the rest of your life. YouTube is a wonderful source for information and misinformation. Check your sources. <laughs> Check your sources. But if you're interested in a particular topic like history or biology, anthropology, uh, evolution, whatever you want, cosmology, it's all there. There is no excuse for not educating yourself. Go do it. And also, as I usually say, don't worry about hell. There's no reason to believe that hells are real. And they've never dis they've never proven that even souls or heaven are real. In 2,000 years, they've had every top opportunity to present evidence to that effect, and they never have. So don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. And I guess that's about it for that's this week. That's it. See you guys yeah. next week. Okay. Have a good week, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Talk to you. Take care. Thank you for having me.